Welcome to Wacker Slaps Presents Twin Cinema, where we look back into the archives of 2000s indie music films to determine if a movie or a band or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. Like all great podcasts, this is a direct spinoff of another podcast that is a direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to die. Per usual, I'm joined by the unprofitable servant. <laughs> I prefer I prefer to call myself a, an unserviceable prophet. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's, your rap, that's your rap name. Yeah. <laughs> unserviceable prophet. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I'm Adrian, the uh, your friendly producer, and I am your co-host Noah. Hi, how are you? <laughs> oh boy oh boy all right episode 31 but it's episode two of our twin cinema spinoff we're just me and adrian the uns- the serviceable prophet himself and uh no caleb but yeah. uh he's taking care of his kid we'll hear from him later on in the show Adrian, I have a little game up top. 31st episode. Can you give me Bob Dylan's 31st studio album? Oh. Shit. I'll give you a hint. It's kind of considered with a... He made like two albums in a row that were like his comeback. It's like post his Christian stuff. Yeah. Is it... uh, What is that? Love and... um, Love and Mercy? Is that what it is? Close, love and God damn! I listen. I listen to this record a shit ton too. Go ahead, give it to me. I'm not gonna remember it. Love and theft. Love and theft. Yeah, yeah. That was on Heavy Roto back in when it around it came when it came out. 2001. Yeah. yeah, it was that one and like the time out of mind. That was kind of like the the little oh the duo yeah the duo that you had to have. He was. I back. think. I think a friend of the pod, uh, Patrick O, he uh, burned those for me, I believe, back in the way back in the early aughts. Oh, yeah. That guy bleeds Dylan, man. (laughs) Shout Shout out. out. Shout out. Okay. All right. What are we doing now? Oh, yeah. The show itself. Oh. Adrian, do you want to take it? Give us the intro to this bad boy. The subject matter. Yeah, so today we're talking about an interesting film, a great film, another classic rock doc, The Devil and Daniel Johnston, uh, which is about, of course, the the late great Daniel Johnston. Uh, what do they call him in the in the movie? Uh, the greatest living singer songwriter, or something like that. Yeah, that's how they open it up. Yeah, it's a great film. I gotta say, I haven't seen it. I hadn't seen it in a while, and yeah. It's uh, it's real knockout. It's from 2005. Did we say that? Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I can kind of get start getting into it a little bit. Um, yeah. You got a review or something? Uh, yeah. I have a a f- review here from I believe the San Francisco Chronicle. I read that this morning as well. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's actually I think the highest rated 
it was one of the highest rated reviews that I could find. Well, let's start off with the the tomato meter and the Metacritic first. Uh, the tomato meter gives it an eighty eight percent, and then the Metacritic is seventy seven uh, or seventy seven, whatever their scale is, seventy seven out of a hundred. Um, so pretty good. Not not you know not like outstanding, but I, I think pretty pretty in the pocket. Yeah, solid. And the review is by Joel Selvin. Uh, he gave it a f- perfect four out of four. He, yeah, he, he, he really liked this movie. Um, and I pulled a, a couple paragraphs here from kind of the middle of the review. Uh, but here we go. At the height of Nirvana mania in the early 90s, a record company executive visited Daniel Johnston in the mental hospital and tried to sign him to a record deal, largely because Nirvana's Kurt Cobain kept wearing a T-shirt advertising Johnston's homemade cassette, Hi, How Are You? The fascinating documentary, The Devil and Daniel Johnston, which won a prize at Sundance, never runs short of ironies. An outsider artist in the field of indie rock, Johnston is a geeky manic depressive who has compulsively written and recorded his homemade songs since he was a teen. His songs have been recorded by a number of well-known acts, including Tom Waits and Pearl Jam. Whether Johnson is a genius or a wonderful anomaly remains to be seen, but director Jeff Fierzeig has stitched together a detailed portrait of the artist's life and music that is never less than compelling. And I think that's pretty, it's a pretty good summation of, uh, you know, the man's career and kind of a little bit hinting at kind of the background and, you know, hinting at the madness and some of the other things. Furzing. Um, How do you say it? The director? Fears. I would think it's Fearzig. We'll just I, call him the Fuhrer from here on out. We'll call him. I'm going to call him Jeff F. Okay. Uh, Jeff F is <laughs> much better. Um, <laughs> he won the best director at Sundance. Yeah, he here. did. Which I think helped skyrocket. I actually read, I don't know if you saw this article, but there was one uh, interview with him from right around when Daniel Johnson passed away in 2019 and he he kind of uh goes into the what his you know process uh thought process behind the movie was and his experience with daniel johnston but he he you know he talked about how uh special the movie was and how um yeah sorry i I lost my train of thought on that one oh that's all good maybe we'll hear about it later um (laughs) i haven't i was reading some reviews this morning and I read uh, Roger Ebert's review. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the headline was The Songwriter from Hell. <laughs> that was the headline? I didn't see that. I didn't catch that. Yeah, that was like the title of his review. It's funny. It's like he reviewed it as like a thriller, like, <laughs> like this crazy songwriter from hell. Yeah, he actually got, I think he got some of the details wrong, too. It was a pretty, yeah. it's actually a pretty good write-up. He came um, up positive on the film. It was like three out of four. But I don't think he was, he wasn't charmed by Daniel Johnston. He was like, ah, I just feel bad for his parents. No. And actually that's a good point because I think in reading through some of these reviews, it's kind of polarized, you know, he's, he's a polarizing figure in, in both as a musician, but also as a person in, you know, many ways. And I think the film was, if you're not like a diehard Daniel Johnston fan, I can see how hit like his whole thing would be just grating and you wouldn't you'd like get it at all and think like, what the fuck yeah. are they all freaking out about this? You know? Well, and they also, they're interviewing people that like knew him mm-hmm. and like saw him burst on the scene, like this character, somebody like this raw talent. And I think some of them kind of overhype it maybe because they were there where it's just like, he was like Bob Dylan or he was like, 
Brian Wilson. And it's like, eh, he's a little more raw than that, but I don't know. Yeah. I think that's kind of what also puts people off though, is that that rawness can be painful for, to listen to and can be too, you know, it gets to that point where people do that nervous laughter, you know, where you're like, you're not yeah. quite sure if it's serious or not. You're not quite sure if you should like, they I mean, they talk about it in the movie, right. Where she's like, people were looking around and kind of like trying to judge how other people were reacting. But if you get it, like his yeah, songs really just hit home really hard. And, you know, you listen to his words and you really feel all of the emotions he's feeling and all the things that he went through. Oh, the yeah. thing I wanted to mention about the director was that this kind of launched his career. Um, yeah. And he talked about that. He's done a few other things. He did a, uh, before this, he actually did a Jad Fair documentary and some other things. He wrote a movie uh, a few years back about uh, the real Rocky. But anyways, he, yeah, he, he, I, I really like the style of the, the documentary. It hits a lot of classic tropes, I would say like, but it does it really well, you know, whether it's like reenactments you know, animating the artwork or, you know, the slides or whatever, like all of that stuff is, so, you know, things that we've seen before, but he put it together in such a pleasant way. And I think it was influential in a way to a lot of indie docs that came afterwards. I would, I would say. Yeah, certainly. And not only just in the um, like rock doc formula, which is what we cover on this spinoff of our uh, mother podcast, <laughs> but um, it kind of goes in line there was these movies and they still come out. Like there was uh, last year, there was that movie Val about like Val mm -hmm. Kilmer. Good. And here film. was it. Yeah. yeah. And here was a guy who was filming his life. Like, so it's kind of like, it's like weird pre social media to have a subject of a documentary that like um, documents his, his life like day to day, like Daniel, Daniel yeah. Johnston was like filming himself and, making all these so. cassettes and taping his family and like everything he did. So yeah. it's like, it's interesting pre social media and internet where you, anybody and everybody can document their lives, but it kind of makes for an interesting subject matter. And I think you were seeing this. There was also that movie like a uh, tarnation, which was like a indie doc sensation about a guy who like was from small town, Texas and filmed his life. And it's just kind of fascinating to see that. Not a lot of people would do that back then. So you no. had this kind of treasure trove of all this content, as you would call it now, that <laughs> Daniel Johnson kind of accumulated. Uh, yeah. And he was an outsider artist, but I think he was very almost savvy about self apologizing, yeah. I think. And that's Definitely. why he was kind of documenting himself and doing these, you know, rants to direct to camera and stuff like Totally. I mean, some of it was like beyond his control, I think, mentally. Well, but. I mean, as the documentary goes into, but I think that's very interesting. And I think that's, that's definitely a part of his story. And a lot of the post, uh, the posthumous write-ups that I read mentioned that, how he was, you know, this pure self-absorbed artist that could, you know, not manipulate, but he could, he could work other people, you know, he knew how to do it and how to make sure that yeah. people heard him and people put the tapes in the right place. And you know, scamming his way on MTV, stuff like that. Like he was very savvy about, yeah, the self mythologization. Yeah. I mean, and then again, his, in you know, all of his songs are very autobiographical. They all take from, you know, obviously are inspired by all aspects of his life, whether it's his relationships with, you know, girls, with his parents, with his friends, you know, his experience as a musician, 
uh, it's all in there, you know. But it's kind of crazy because the documentary makes it clear that like he is a diagnosed like manic depressive, like bipolar with like hallucinations and stuff. But in there's a part in the movie where he's kind of reading what like his diagnosis is. Yeah, like, there you have it. I'm a manic depressive with grand illusions. Yeah, but like his grand illusions somehow, some way, he did end up on an MTV. He did like say like oh this is music that the world needs to hear and in the end it's kind of crazy that any of it ever got out like yeah. there is so much of it you know you think it'd be after he died or something like maybe it was it was crazy that he achieved any sort of fame in his own lifetime he just seems like one of those outsiders that would like you would discover long after he was active or something right like um Vivian Mayer as a photographer or like yeah. uh, Henry Darger, people like this who are like, yes, yes. Exactly. Like, you know, someone at a yard sale discovers this box and there's just like hundreds and hundreds of these tapes and yeah. these amazing songs. But yeah, I think, I think that's again, like going back to the, the just constantly having a running tally and record of your, the, your thoughts and your ideas and your feelings. And that did not exist at all. You're right. I mean, I, and <clears throat> he had a brand. Yeah. And, and he, iconography, you know, everything like subject matter, he kept coming back to. Yeah. And that's all stuff that like we see now as just part of, you know, being an artist these days. I mean, obviously not to this extent, cause he's such a unique character and a unique personality and a unique artist, but you know, it was definitely kind of a, uh, in a way he paved the way for a lot of things that came after him. I mean, he definitely did. He, I know people, you know, there's plenty of artists who have listed him as an influence, uh, oh, yeah. you know, not only just in sound, but I'm sure in terms of like the way he, he worked things, the way he networked things, where he just put out stuff. He just put out tapes and, you know, mm -hmm. um, that work ethic of like, I mean, I was, I, I forgot that he would literally like record a tape, give it to someone, have to go back, record yeah, the whole wild. thing again. Like that's, that's like obsession. Like that's passion. Like no. I, most people would not be able to do that, but because he was the unique individual he was, and, you know, again, it maybe it comes down to his mental illness and his, you know, um, his inability to attach to reality, you know, to, to, to our reality. Uh, but the, uh, maybe let's get back to the film background and then we can kind yeah, of go into some histories with Daniel Johnston and with this film in particular. Because my yeah. history with Daniel Johnson kind of goes hand in hand with this film a little bit, I would say. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well, I have a few things that um, I can cover here before we get into that. Uh, as we've been discussing, yeah, the film collects footage from throughout Daniel Johnson's life uh, that he recorded stuff that is, you know, pictures and stuff from his friends. And he was always surrounded by artist artists and, you know, uh, he was always part of a scene that was, you know, uh, the, he had a lot of there's a lot of material for the director to work with um and then he he did uh shoot some new stuff from 2000 through 2002 you know new interviews new 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 set pieces and new um new stuff with uh, daniel johnston um but it was produced by henry s rosenthal who was another huge daniel johnson fan and uh a friend of jeff f and they connected in the year 2000. I think Jeff F went to like a, a one of the first Daniel Johnson shows outside of Austin in like 20 years or something like that. And you know he he pitched Rosenthal and was like, "Hey, we we should, we got to make it something about this guy. Like he's you know so prolific and so interesting, and so many people love him. We we should do something." And so 
I think like a year later, they, they, they were able to connect with Daniel Johnson himself. And uh, because he had done the Jad Fair documentary, Daniel Johnson was like, yeah, you, you know, you, uh, I, you made my friend, you know, look really good. Like that was a great documentary. So I, I, I'll work with you. Um, and then, you know, they're off to the races. Uh, and Have I you think- seen the Jad Fair movie with the, my dinner with Daniel? Oh no! Watch it on YouTube. No, they I kind didn't. of they talk about it in the movie. Oh, it's, it's it's actually a like a full length movie, I think. The my yeah, I think they. I mean, they do discuss it, and you see uh, bits of it in the in the movie. No, I haven't watched that. That that seemed like it'd be kind of a wild uh, wild things to Might see. Might be a slog. <laughs> I mean, I like you know, I love I love uh, half Japanese and and yeah, they're good. Um, and all that stuff. Jad, the Jad Fair, the, the Fair Brothers or whatever. Yeah. I uh, just have a few more notes here. As you mentioned, yeah, the uh, Jeff F. won the Best Documentary Directing Award at the 2005 Sundance Film Festival. It was, you know, well-received, I would say. And I think that helped it get distributed widely by uh, Sony. Sony Picture Classics, I believe, is the uh, the the studio or whatever the the distributor the distributor the whatever tentacle of the giant corporation but they put out a lot of you know good good stuff um uh so yeah it got wide distribution in the um, the year the following year in uh 2006 i believe it was march let's see March 31st, 2006 was the premiere in the United States. So it did see kind of a wider, a wider release. I do kind of remember it playing locally, actually. Uh, I didn't catch it then, but, uh, but the yeah. Palm, Palm in San Luis or something. Yeah. At the Palm, I think they even may have had, uh, they had the had Jeff F there or something. Cause I do remember being interested in it. Um, as you mentioned, yeah. you know, we were, I think we were both fans of that, of him at the time. I think that's pretty much it. Oh, I did have a little bit. I don't know if you watched this, but there was in the supplemental materials of the DVD, the original DVD. Yeah. Um, the I filmmakers, they I brought out. It, yeah, I didn't rewatch it. I watched it way back when, when I first saw the film, but they bring out Lori Allen, um, the oh, filmmakers yeah. to uh, the premiere of the film. And Daniel Johnson kind of freaks out and like disappears. <laughs> They're like, yeah, he was just wandering or like walking up down the streets of Austin, just like tripping, <laughs> tripping out like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Rory then, is his muse, quote unquote. That he's right. With. And it's a little creepy now watching it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the context of that is Lori Allen is a girl that he met when he was in college uh, at art school in, um, was it Ohio, I believe, right? Yeah, or, I think so. Like Kent and, University, yeah, or some Liverpool, I believe, is the the one. But yeah, he met this girl, and you know, he became obsessed with her. Yeah, almost, yeah, to a creepy extent. You know, he was definitely, you know, obviously a very eccentric and and obsessive person. So I'm not sure she at the time she realized how deep that obsession went. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. But but anyways, for this for this piece, he um. So after he's like wandering, they, they finally calm him down and get him back and, and they meet. And um, it's actually really kind of a night from what I remember. It was, it's, it's really nice. They they're hugging and she's like, you can see that she's very moved by, by the film and by his, you know, by the way that he's 
written, create all this amazing art and it's been, it was inspired by her. I mean, it's gotta be both <laughs> frightening and, and, you know, incredibly, you know, um, yeah. cause it's like, that's crazy to have written like hundreds of songs about this girl. Um, she like barely know. Right. It's, it's pretty wild, but it happens. Yeah. Why did love? Yeah. Yeah. Many a song has been a written. <laughs> And yeah, and then in the years, you know, following the documentary, Johnson, I think he got, uh, you know, his uh, his claim only grew, and I think he got even more popular. You know, I think this is kind of the second wave of his popularity following the sort of first wave after you know Kirk Cobain's wearing the T-shirt and name checking him in interviews, and he yeah. toured the world, and you know, there's toys and video games based on his artwork and he continued to exhibit his artwork as we saw in the film until uh 2019 when he you know passed away on uh, september 11th actually and uh never yeah. forget <laughs> yeah and i think it's a sad capper to the story you know i think he went peacefully as a heart attack um but you know um, he definitely had a lot of a lot to give, and he obviously was very prolific. So we have, luckily, we have all the all of this great music and all of this great artwork and all of this great stuff that he, you know, left behind and, yeah. and, and very influential, you know, individual. One of a kind. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You, you know, it's so cliche to say that, but he definitely was a one of a kind individual. You can't deny that. Um, so maybe we can just transition because I think we kind of gave a general knowledge of Daniel Johnston. We'll probably talk more about some scenes in the movie mm-hmm. that'll bring out some more information. I do want to say he is like in the great line of like tragic ash- acid casualties. Yeah, like you got like Peter Green, Skip Spence, Rocky Erickson, Sid Barrett. Brian Wilson. It's quite yeah. a murderer's row. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, all right, let's, uh, should we hear from Caleb, his history first? Yeah. Adrian. Let's, um, and then we'll do all our histories with this movie. From our uh, current, uh, from our host, who's currently on sabbatical on uh, parental leave. Wah, wah, baby's corner. Um, okay. We we have a little. Uh, I I I think it's about a couple of minutes. So here we go. Here is. I did not vet this, so <laughs> we might end up cutting this whole thing. But yeah, here, let's hear from our fearless leader, Caleb. Patty, this is a uh, host, Caleb, calling uh, from exile on Dad Street. Um, calling about the Daniel Johnston documentary episode, episode two of the um, Rock Doc series we're doing here. Um, I haven't seen that documentary. I think I was uh, smoking a bong once in a dorm room and was on in the background the year or close to the year it came out, um, which, you know, I think a lot of people saw it in those circumstances. Um, Daniel Johnson's an interesting guy. You know, I, I got into him briefly when I was kind of doing, uh, I listened to like anti-folk and outsider music, you know, your kind of starter pack of Daniel Johnson, Jan Dick, Wesley Willis, you know, um, get into that stuff. It's interesting. It's like, you know, true weirdos. And I don't mean to like stigmatize anyone's 
mental states or capacity with that kind of term, you know, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, you know, it's good, good, insightful stuff. I always feel like they drop Daniel Johnson at the end of like HBO shows or like indie movies. So like dude's got a lot of exposure. That's basically my relationship to him. It's just interesting that like, I don't know if like a figure like him or any of those other aforementioned out quote unquote outsider musicians, um, you know, will ever have as much prominence because kind of everyone's an outsider artist and contributor to culture. I don't know what they're contributing actually, but you know what I mean? Like everything, everyone can self publish and put themselves out there and get viral and memeified and everything. But it's, it's an interesting era to be doing that, you know, back when he was doing it, when it was just all kind of through word of mouth or grainy video and all that. So definitely like an interesting musician for sure you know um had a lot to say with pretty limited tools um so it's all just kind of stream of conscious but like and more so in a kind of interesting encapsulation of the era you know uh back when you kind of discovered true weirdos like that and then um kind of spread through more organic underground channels but now it's all just uh you know we could be outsider artists with our fucking asinine ass comments in our uh, in our lo-fi podcast here. So you know, maybe we're the Daniel Johnsons of podcasts. You know, that's a thought. Um, next time, I will uh, watch the documentary if I have time. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope all our listeners are doing well. Um, I hope you're missing me horribly. I miss all of you so much. And um, that this has been your host, Caleb. And I will say, adioti until later. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode, despite not having me around. Bye bye. Wow, the snark on this guy is just <laughs> off the charts. Egregious. <laughs> no, no I think. Yeah, we mentioned Wesley Willis and stuff like yep. that. Yeah, with there's also a pretty decent Wesley Willis documentary out there. Oh yeah, yeah. What's um, it's like the something world of Wesley Willis or something like that? I forget what it yeah, is. Something. Yeah. yeah, but oh right, yeah. We um, I think oh yeah, all of us were were definitely. <laughs> I don't know how serious we were about. Oh, I mean, we we all listened to that those records, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, actually, before we move on, I do want to issue a correction. Uh, correction. Yeah. So this goes out to, I know what's good, who left a message on our uh, uh, rates and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Blasted he says, us. Blasted me, specifically. No, it, was a, it was a decent review, I thought. Fair he, he was fair. Um, <laughs> but I would like to issue this correction. <laughs> Because uh, I, I, you know, I'm sorry if this anyone was offended out there or if um, any hurt feelings were were caused. But uh, yeah, so I guess when we recorded this, um, our you know our er episode, our episode zero, uh, I made a mistake and I said that the offshoot band with Jeff Tweedy and Glenn Kochi uh, with uh, Jim O'Rourke was Handsome Furs. Uh, when they're actually loose fur, uh, handsome furs is an offshoot of Wolf Parade with Dan Beckner and I believe his then wife Alexi Perry. Now good both catch. both good, good yeah good catch both very good interesting bands 
<clears throat> obviously Lucifer more connected to the Wilco thing. But yeah, if you're out there, I apologize and uh, I will try to do better in the future. And Lou uh, Cipher was a uh, character Robert <laughs> De Niro played in, uh, was it Lionheart? <laughs> no, wait, now I'm going to get that wrong. Oh, Should no. Dragonheart? Get our I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, this anytime you hear you want to correct us or give us uh, your opinion on something, feel free to email us at wackerslaps at gmail.com. All right. Yeah, keep them coming. Yeah. We'll take corrections. We'll take anything. Take the crumbs. <laughs> um, you want to take a brief break and then we'll come back with our personal histories? Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good, man. All right. So we had some background. We heard from Caleb, brought up some good points. Like we were talking about kind of just what it was pre-internet to kind of be a outsider star like Daniel Johnson was. Um, oh, I was thinking Adrian too, in this documentary, how there's that whole thing about Kirk Cobain's t-shirt. Yeah. And that was like, I think this has been said before, but that, that was like how that was the internet back then, <laughs> like a shirt, a t-shirt. A shirt like, and oh, a magazine. What is that? Yeah. Or like liner notes and records and stuff. I think like uh, Thurston Moore has talked about this, how that was like the pipeline back then. Little crumbs. Yeah. Cause I mean, there'd always, first of all, there'd always be like shout outs to other bands, whether it was their friend, people's friends or influences, which would always, you know, you check them out. And you, if you like that band, you'd be like, oh, that's yeah. cool. There's a whole network of these interesting artists. But then there'd also be like stuff like, you know, send fanzines here or whatever, or, or, um, sign up for you know newsletters and i think that that helped build networks and stuff that you know lasted probably well into the time we were we were kid you know yeah kicking it uh, yeah that stuff was all important that was all pre-internet all you know uh you know there was a time where you could like literally call up a number on the label and you probably could talk to one of the band members you know like that's <laughs> kind of shit that that's how it happened back then you know now it's like you could fucking you know tweet at kanye or whatever but what yeah i think that's kind of the difference too because you look at a guy like daniel johnson it's like this guy could barely like keep a roof over his head let mm -hmm. alone like network with people but there is something to be said about handing like a cassette to somebody like listen to this In more person, so yeah. than just like a mp3 file or a link to a podcast now it's just a drop in the bucket <laughs> Yeah, or I mean, it also eventually became just people, you know, like all those dudes that would be outside of shows, just hanging, handing out CDRs or whatever. Like, check uh, out the yeah. next day. The CDR never had the uh, urgency, <laughs> the cachet of a uh, yeah. of a tape. Yeah, like a little less is, passion uh, on the CDs for something. Their steel yeah. felt like. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's do history, personal histories with this uh, movie and this artist, Daniel Johnston. Uh, the devil and Daniel Johnston. I actually, though, I kind of fucked up because I I watched the devil and Daniel Webster on accident, <laughs> the nineteen forty one masterpiece, yeah. aka with, um, all that money can buy. With the, who's the uh, Walter Houston? Walter the Houston. Devil. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, you you want some money, farmer? You're gonna have to sell your soul. <laughs> But uh, it's a great movie. That movie. Oh yeah, Devil and Daniel yeah. Webster. There's think... a famous Simpsons episode that parodies it with like the jury from hell. Oh, that's right. I think we also. 
I think we watched it in, maybe in high school in some class at some point too. I could be wrong on that, but uh, great movie. Yeah, Criterion Channel, baby. But anyways, The Devil and Daniel Johnson from 2005. So I knew Daniel Johnson. I probably first encountered him from the movie Kids. Yeah. Because there's the Casper the Friendly Ghost song that plays when they're like beating the shit out of that guy. Yeah, Casper. (laughs) (laughs) That lovely movie. Oh, boy. Yeah. Why was that a movie where it's like, yeah, let's get stoned and put on kids again? It's like people <laughs> would quote know. it. And it's like, this movie's vile. It is. And it's a weirdly, in hindsight, like a very conservative movie. Right wing. Yes, right wing. Right. And it's like, in hindsight, like, yeah, what the fuck were we doing? I, That's yeah. the problem with a lot of 90s films. They're like not like sex positive they're no. they're exploitative in a like but not in like a interesting way and just to like <laughs> this is your nightmare america like yeah which i guess it has this place but it gets it's hard to rewatch that and appreciate it for what it is yeah i would say kid soundtrack though pretty influential uh yeah for sure yeah you know, full complosion daddy never understood <laughs> <laughs> um uh anyways uh, my history. So yeah, I knew Daniel Johnson here and there. Um, just a, just probably the very surface level songs, the more catchy ones, the more straightforward songs. And then I saw this movie in like 2006, probably on DVD. I want to say it was like a a Netflix mail mail order. Oh, wow. Yeah, going way back 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 then. Yeah, and uh, I watched it like a couple times within a weekend and i was like yeah daniel johnson the interesting character and i kind of dove deep i remember i went took a trip to san francisco and went to amoeba and i bought like yip jump music and uh uh what's the other hi how are you on vinyl yeah but i i always realized with daniel johnston i only ever listened to like a playlist of his songs like Mm. 10 of his kind of hits like because i think the songs that are like gonna be remembered throughout time they are very much like they sound like traditional like folk songs that like people can sing in a group you know it's like kind of this poignant sort of childish kind of simple songs but yet have depth and emotion you know songs like funeral home or like devil town they they sound yeah. like campfire songs or whatever i mean we literally see him in a sing-along on devil yeah. town right yeah devil town and i think they do it with funeral home as well but right. i notice yeah. you know for every like song that i love by him you know for every like chord organ blues there's like a what, danny don't rap or whatever. there's like this <laughs> the silly songs yeah. and i'm like i get it and then there's songs with just like a shit ton of tape hiss and him just like woo, like he's <laughs> just fucking around yeah doing sounds and it's like uh yeah so i don't ever really listen to daniel johnson's album mm-hmm. um, when he did pass away though i did listen to like you know a dozen or so of his song and it's weird because i feel like i'm like yeah i'm a big fan of daniel johnson he wrote some of my favorite songs but i'm not a deep diver into Daniel Johnston you know I did it like once after this movie came out listened to a bunch of his stuff but like the deep album cuts are like kind of I don't know I don't get a lot out of it 
it's uh just i respect it but it's a little too unhinged <laughs> yeah it feels I feel like, like voyeuristic or something like mm. i don't know that's but, an interesting yeah. yeah but this movie is good and i did find myself feeling like an older man when i watched this because i <laughs> i did still feel for daniel johnson of course you know like a kind of tortured artist, which is, you know, so much of my life has been respecting the works of those types of people, whether it be novels or music or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I did find myself like, oh man, I just feel bad for his like mom and dad and like his, his orbit, like the, you know, after the show's over, like he's still got to go home to like his family and like, he's kind of a terror and like, I felt so bad like that story they almost kind of gloss over it about how he like made a old elderly woman like jump out of a window oh, like yeah. shit like that was kind of like okay I know it's like a mental health issue but it's like wow I felt more kind of it was harder to get over like the wake of his kind of destructive side this time it was hard mm-hmm. to like see past that. And also like his obsession with that woman, although, you know, it ultimately was innocent. He wasn't like harassing her, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a scene where it's like goes to like picture in picture and he's like watching footage of her and oh. he's got this little smile on his face. I'm pretty sure he's like jerking it under those <laughs> wet pants. Well, he's like crying and smiling, smiling. at the same time. It's yeah. yeah, he's very, it's a very, that's kind it's, of his vibe, though, crying yeah. and smiling. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a good movie, and there's it's such a rich story because there's all those crazy I, – I shouldn't say crazy on this episode. But there's all those, like, mythic Daniel Johnston stories, and it, and it shows, like, wow, like, I can't believe this really happened. Like, I can't believe – and then he's alive at the end of the movie, but it's like, yeah. I can't believe this guy's even still around. Not only around, but like actually in the world and and yeah. doing things and yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, that was my history. I love Daniel Johnson, but I'm not like I don't know. I guess I'm just stick to the basics with him, like just the his top his hits. <laughs> stick to the hits. <laughs> to, Shut Johnson. up and play the hits. As a... <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, some That's... some really great songs, like poignant songs that I think will always stand the test of time. And yeah. he covered the fact that he gets covered by so many artists. And, and I really got to, I respect the guy that was his manager that pretty Tartikoff. much single. Yeah. Tartikoff. He like single-handedly preserved mm-hmm. Daniel Johnson. Like there could almost be a documentary about that guy because behind every Daniel Johnson, there is a person that's actively trying to promote or trying to just yeah preserve and make sure people know about him because he's kind of incapable of not sabotaging himself like daniel johnson is so like you always have to have those you know or like his dad and his mom that manage him you know it shows the the trickier side of mad genius or whatever yeah Uh, i mean it shows all that all the the rawness of those relationships and you know and I think a part of it too is also showing that the compassion that these people had. Um, one of the things that was interesting, you know, that I don't think I really thought about when I first saw that. I'll, I'll just go into my histories now. Um, yeah, go ahead, man. Um, unless you had anything else to add. No, that was about it. Um, but this, 
this documentary was like I loved it when I when I first saw it and it turned me on to go deeper into his music. Yeah. Um I just don't I never put on a Daniel Johnston album like ever. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, that's okay. So that's a good jumping off. I, I agree. I love the music and I, I too have, you know, I've gone through the records of once or twice for each of them, you know, other big ones, like you said, yep, jump music, you know, songs, whatever it is. And you can pick out the ones that you really like. And, you know, usually it's going to be the ones that, that, you know, have stood the test of times as his classics or whatever. Um, the stuff that you, yeah, you, that as Caleb mentioned that you hear at the end of an indie movie or in a, you know, an Atari commercial or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. What I, what I was touching on uh, uh, just a minute ago was the, that kind of balance of like exploitation versus like genuine compassion and genuine, like, you know, passion for the music and the person. I think it's hard. It's a hard balance, but I think everyone in his life managed to have that, I think because he was such an interesting, unique, special person to all these people that they did want to protect him. They did want to protect his legacy, protect who he was, even though he was, could be abusive to them, could be, you know, crazy or again. Yeah. That's not the word to use, but could be deep into his, his challenging mental states, you know, and, and, and it, it could really negatively affect. I mean, he nearly, he nearly killed his self and his, his father, you know, like that's, that story is wild. That's a wild, wild. And, and I, I like the, the way that they, 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 you know, they build to that and everything is, is really, it's really well done. Um, but yeah, because their characters like Tartikov or Kathy McCarty or his um, art school pal, whatever. Um, God, I dude, I don't know. His art school pal did him dirty and married his, <laughs> his only girlfriend. <laughs> they knew each other for two days. <laughs> yeah, that's also a wild story and wild reveal. Late, that's kind of just like tossed off at the end. <laughs> it's like, it, like here's this twist where like in the last 15, 20 minutes, yeah. and there's like, oh, by the way, like my best friend and my ex, you know, who I who became an also became another obsessive piece of the puzzle. You know, got married after two the two day whirlwind yeah. romance like that would be crazy. my argument about this movie there's a little it feels like the last half hour kind of like jams some stuff in there it's kind of yeah like maybe whittle it down a little bit <laughs> uh that's i think that's fair but i think you know it, actually i think it zips along pretty well considering it's um almost it's almost it's two hours but it's pretty it's it's really paced really well and it goes over you know the main arcs of his the main arc of his life in, yeah in a kind of the classic three arc way or a three act way but yeah so my history with this i first saw this back in probably 2007 i want to say um i actually did a dvd swap with a friend of ours uh, uh tj um nice. Uh, who shares a, a name with a famous singer. So let's call him, uh, let's say Robert Goulet. So my friend, let's Robert Goulet. Unusual. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's not unusual. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, anyways, uh, we'll cut all that out. But um, we, I did a DVD swap with, with our friend, Tom and uh, for Wilco's, I am trying to break your heart. Another Ooh, classic, great, classic swap, dude. Yeah. Great classic swap both classic rock docs of the era yeah. but yeah i watched it and you know obviously i had heard his music before um i think we mentioned that i was a big fan of nirvana and kurt cobain as we have discussed on the podcast and you know i had seen the shirt and i had gone into you know 
listened to the to, in the Napster era. I think I downloaded a bunch of his songs and and really liked them. And how dare you? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, fuck. That's it's fine. You know, I I bought a, a lot of that, rebought a lot of that later and stuff yeah. like that. Um, Stressed records. Keep yeah, live baby. Support him. Yeah. Uh, actually, he um, he's still out there. He's on an Instagram. He he um he's selling the artwork and stuff still. He's still that guy, there. I can honestly say, has the best intentions for Daniel Johnson. Yeah, like, especially you don't feel him being like a sycophant or like he knows like this is a difficult task, but like it's worth it for this to be my life's work. And you don't really feel bad for him. You're like, all right, no. good for you. You seem like a happy, well-adjusted man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know he's keep excuse me he's keeping the torch alive and i think a lot of other people would have given up especially considering how he was fired and rehired and whatever but yeah so like i was a fan of 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 daniel johnston and i you know i i had known of that he he had this kind of mythic background and there was all these stories about him but but watching the movie and seeing it you know it it, yeah it was was a really i really loved it it was really inspiring and eye-opening in a lot of ways i think for me part of the, the reason you know i connected so so much with this is because i did i could see aspects of 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 my of him and myself you know of whether it's you know d- dealing with depression or or mental you know mental illness um you know uh, and anxiety going to art school like i totally when when those those scenes of him like that he recorded uh the eight millimeter uh stuff of him and his friends and stuff like that, i totally understood that because i was that was also my experience like when i went to college is is you know sitting in rooms and goofing off and yeah drawing and and you know dicking around and and, yeah. and making little you know making a little a uh, little family a little scene yeah, me too, Adrian. I probably neglected to say that, but yeah, watching it kind of in my early twenties, where I was like, had dropped out of college and was a bit transitional, felt a little lost, a mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. depressed. It, I think that movie kind of enhanced for me the, you could kind of latch on, to, you could get a, a lot out of Daniel Johnson's experiences, even though they're you know much more, yeah, you know, severe than mine were. Yeah. But again, it's, it's the thing is all great art. Like you can, even though it's specific to him and sometimes very specific to him, like you can identify and, and it can, you know, help you and move you in your own life. Um, yes. But, but yeah, there's other things like the fact that he was like obsessed with drawing eyes and, and ducks and superheroes. Like that was all stuff that I would grew up drawing to Marvel. You should have put him in a, give him a cameo. <laughs> I Captain think in America, is he in <laughs> civil war? No, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised though. If there, they did pop in like one of his um, songs. It's like, I have lost my mind. <laughs> it's like the infinity stone must be rescued by whatever whatever the fuck those movies are on about uh i wouldn't be surprised though if like they popped in one of his drawings in the background or something like that i think that'd Uh, be a nice little easter egg egg for uh for the heads but yeah so like on this watch there was definitely some other things that i was catching that i didn't maybe think about when i was a younger man you know where i was more identifying with like the madness and the artistry you know now i'm thinking about like how how artists as filters for for pop culture and filters for capitalism um because like you know he was obviously obsessed with people in his life but he was also obsessed with with 
as we're touching on Captain America, comic books, you know, Casper was a recurring thing. Frankenstein was a recurring theme. You know, all of these things that for he's pulling from pop culture. You know, he was obsessed with uh, with what with Mountain Dew, right? He wanted to to do a thing with uh, recorded Mountain Dew. That was gonna be my like highlight my slaps for this episode was his mountain dew song i love that song it's so good right he had such a tenderness it's yeah and it's like it's so bizarre and sweet and it's like kind of demented christian kind of ideology of it all but but yeah um so i was thinking about that and how you know how that comes across in his art and how you know mcdonald's featured prominently in his story like that's crazy too like that that you know that's what he was known for like oh this this guy that works at mcdonald's who also is this genius songwriter you know you got to call up mcdonald's to get a hold of him like that's 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 when that's wild i Um, hated that guy not the lewis black character the guy that like uh is the editor for the austin chronicle but the other journalist when he's like he was so condescending out of nowhere he's just like oh the the curly haired guy yeah he's like there he was you know, cleaning up other people's messes and their <laughs> I, spills. I think it's he, like, why are yeah. you shitting on him right now? <laughs> I weird. I kind of took that as him kind of doing a little Daniel Johnson impression, but oh, I could be uh, like, yeah, it is a little bit like uh, I don't know. I did yeah. not like that guy. <laughs> He's only in it for like luckily like that one two yeah. two two scenes or whatever. But um, it's too much. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of interesting story, a lot of interesting characters in this one. Yeah. And then, yes, the balance of the exploitation and compassion, as I talked about, I think that's interesting. The people, you know, it's, it's very clear that the people loved him and, the, and that, you know, if you like him, I don't think, I think if you like him and his music, it's you like, you really love and, and like love his songs and his music. Like it's hard to be a casual fan of Daniel Johnston. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think, and, and as you're t- saying, like this, this also hit around the time where, you know, with a kid soundtrack where, I was getting into more lo-fi acts and, and things that were like, yeah, self-recorded, you know, tape hiss, you know, uh, definitely full complosion and Sebado and things like that, where, you know, it's, it's a little bit more DIY and in that realm, you know? Yeah. Um, and actually the, the filmmaker talked about that in that post that the posthumous uh, interview he did uh, where he talks about how like that, the DIY spirit of like, just of, of, of Daniel Johnson putting together tapes and stuff. Uh, inspired him for the movie because he's just like fuck it we're just gonna do it we're just gonna reach out to daniel johnson we're gonna try to put it all together and then fucking put it out which is what they did and it worked out for them you know like they got a million bucks from sony or whatever to fucking put it out and so i think that that speaks a lot to like yeah that spirit of just do it of just you know if you have you know as he says if you have music in your heart you know just fucking put it out there and just do it it's so easy to do now and it's so easy to get lost in in the sea of it but if you're really passionate about it, if you really feel it, like just do it, like put it out there. Who cares if no one's listening? Like it, you, it's a, if it's important to you, then just do it. And, you know, I think that even though this is a very melancholy documentary, I think it's also very inspiring in that way where it's like, you can see how he's overcome all these, you know, all these things in his life, you know, um, you know, what getting beat up and lost and literally, you know, and, and having to go to the church to, for help, like all these things that he's just, it's, it's wild, man. Um, yeah. And yeah, I Satan think of it all was like, yeah, really. I was like, oh, that's. I mean, that's this documentary has to cover so much because he is such a, <clears throat> you know, he contains multitudes. This man, mm-hmm. 
but it, I was like, yeah, I almost want to hear more about his religion. Like what was his mom? Like, wh- like what were the, that upbringing? I almost wanted yeah. to dig deeper into that. Like why was Satan and like sin and the devil, like how much did they, cause his parents are obviously very supportive mm-hmm. when they're older. Cause they have to be, he's like, they got to take care of them. But I wonder, I wanted to kind of almost dig deeper into like how the the religion of the family like how that ingrained in him so much and became such a obsession yeah i think they i mean they touched they really just glanced at that and touch on that and it, it does become kind of a running thing where you know they talk about how his connection to the church of christ or i, I don't know what denomination that is what is that like yeah whatever that is but um something like that um, but yeah, because like it seemed like he was kind of obsessed with obviously he was obsessed with the devil, but just yeah. I think the generally the idea of good and evil, you know, I think that's why he's drawing superheroes and, and boxers I think it, and stuff. Yes, and exactly. It reflects in his art, his mm-hmm. drawings and his paintings, but also in his lyrics, they yeah. sound like hymnals. They sound like right almost gospel tinged, like something you the know, organs and the yeah, yeah. yeah. And the way he's his, even his vocals and stuff. Yeah. He's pulling from so many things, whether it is Dylan or Springsteen or whatever, the Beatles. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, and church as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's interesting. I do love how like percussive his playing is where it sounds like he's playing like a, like a bass drum the whole time, but I think it's just him kind of like slamming the keyboard. Well, I think he would do both. I think he would do overdubs too, where he's like banging on the case. Yeah. And then he would do the um uh, and the organ, but yeah, he's he's it's a very his style is unique, whether it was the piano, organ, or guitar. It's you, it's him, like you can't you hear a chord or you hear a, a you know the piano, uh, the organ keys or whatever, you you know yeah. it's him because it's just yeah, it's so specific. And I think we can all agree Daniel Johnson's best work was done with Danny and uh, the Nightmare House. <laughs> That's yeah. probably his greatest period, I would say. <laughs> I love those guys. Their band kind of stunk, but that's kind of the thing, though, right? I have like, a beer with the Nightmare House people with the what Jason Nightmare and um... <laughs> <laughs> that story is wild. Okay, so that's actually that's I think that's a good transition because I was I was pretty much done. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just to sum it up, but um, yeah, Daniel Johnson is an artist, you know. He meant he means a lot to me, meant a lot to me. I love his music still. I, you know, I am watching this. I did go back and listen to, as you're saying, Noah, you know, the, the hits, the highlights on, uh, you know, yeah. on, on the playlist and, and yeah, it's, um, it's a remarkable documentary, a remarkable document of an artist of, of madness and just a generally a good movie. Like, even if you have no idea who he is yeah. or, you know, uh... don't, don't know his music, like just watch to watch it. It's, it's an interesting document of an artist yeah those um when it's just when they're just playing his like tape recordings of like you know kind of his audio diary Mm -hmm. and they have those recreations of like the the carnival because he runs away with the carnival at some point yeah the way those shots are filmed it was like i was like okay like i see how this guy this director jeff f he could have been i mean i'm sure he probably got opportunities to direct like narrative films because there is Mm -hmm. a a very uh he has a very good eye it's like errol morris-esque in his recreations like the, all those shots are very well composed and lit and made it uh cinematic yeah that's a, that's a good word for it because i think that 
we see that a lot in documentaries, you know, the recreation and stuff, and it can kind of get cheesy at times, but yeah. it never gets cheesy here. And he does a lot of different, he, he, you know, he's throwing together a lot of different things stylistically, but it all holds together pretty well and it all, you know, and yeah, and, and it really helps sell those stories because hearing his voice is one thing and, you know, hearing his voice over slow moving pictures or something would be one thing, but to actually yeah. just go into these spaces, you know, like when, when the story of the old lady in the window, like you see, you know, the point of view of him slamming on the door, you see the point of view yeah. of the window, you see the point of view of him running away. And, and what and I that, like about that too, it cuts to like his mug shot. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he does not look like childlike. No, Daniel he looks Johnson. demented. He looks like he hasn't showered in weeks and he's got like this goatee thing going on and he just got off a bus from New York City or something. And it's just like, oh yeah, he looks like terrifying. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's a fair documentary. It's not trying to make him out as a saint at all. Like it no. does tackle with his fraught relationship and with life and the wake that it's left but also the joy that it's provided yeah i i think that there's times when maybe it does slightly edge on the you know like uh, hype kind of thing but not really and i think it's yeah i think it is pretty fairly balanced you know It's not a, uh, uh, what is it, hagiography? What is it? Yeah, hagiography. Hagiography. It's not that, you know, which it could easily, very easily be, um, because it's very clear that the director and the people that made the film are are huge fans of his. And um, But yeah, it provides just a a poignant picture. You know what I wished, Adrian? If they would have made like the feature film uh, version of this documentary, like they made into like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. In like 2006, Sam Rockwell would have been perfect for Daniel oh. Johnston. Doesn't he kind of look like him? The character actor, Sam Rockwell? Yeah. The, the award winner. That's definitely, I mean, as a young man, for sure. Yeah. And he yeah. would have just been young enough, I think, to pull him off. They could probably then, with some makeup like and stuff. Years, yeah. 15, they could have done it. Seen years ago. Oh, yeah. that would have been a good. Yeah. That, I think. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that they were developing a film version of his mm. move of his life. I don't think that it ever went anywhere, but I know that they had sold his life rights or something like that yeah. back in the early 2010s. But yeah, why don't we get into the stuff, you know, our highlights and lowlights, as it were? Yeah. Um, our reels I and keels. Our reels and keels or wax and slaps. Uh, for slaps, do you got you just want to maybe a song that was featured in the film that's one of your favorite Daniel Johnson song? Do you just want to hear some of his music? Maybe we could talk about that. Yeah, let me pull it up because I mean, they they do hit <clears throat> essentially every major. I mean, yeah, kind of doesn't have hits, but you know, the canon, the canon for sure. I have um, if you want me to go, yeah, go there's ahead. a segment in the movie where there's an animated section. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really really well done where it animates his still drawings and it, it's to the tune of uh i have lost my mind is that the name of that song that's a good section of the movie and i think a good song and it highlights his songwriting and how he had like a catchiness a playfulness but yet it's always tinged in sort of a darkness or just it's it's always raw where it's like oh this guy like really it's not performative it's like oozing out of him totally um let me pull that up 
Yeah, I, I really like that sequence um, in the movie. I think that, again, these things can end up being cheesy, but it just works really well. Um, yeah. I mean, as part of, you can, you know, part of that is due to, you know, just the, the whimsical nature of his drawings. Um, I think they lend themselves very easily to animation because they're just so so funny and cool and interesting and, and, and weird. But yeah, here is a little bit of the the song I had lost my mind is the title. I had lost <laughs> my mind. Uh, yeah, here's just a bit from the middle of the song. I had lost my mind. I lost my head for a while. I was off my rocker. He is a tremendous piano player. Yeah. I mean, they mentioned that in the movie, but he, when he started playing live, he transitioned to guitar and which is. Yeah. It's almost if he left the folk artist part out of it, there might've been like, he could have been like a classical, like piano making composition. (laughs) Like a Glenn Gould character or something. <laughs> Ooh, I actually recently uh, went back to Glenn Gould's. Oh, the, brilliant. So good. Uh, the, what is it? Two short stories about. Oh, yeah, that, the film. I haven't, I haven't rewatched the film, but the, um, the Goldberg variations is, is those two. Oh records. yeah. Um, genius. Yeah. But yeah, that's a great sequence and a great song. Um, and again, autobiographical where he's laying it out, how he, you know how all this shit happened to him he gets talked about getting beat up he talks about you know the, the the shit that led up to whatever you know breakdowns that he had yeah um do you want to highlight a, a segment of the movie or uh a yeah song? give us a slapper i don't really so i don't really connect them to songs per se i do have some some scenes that i <laughs> i thought were great actually speaking of you know losing the mind i that the the Gibby Haynes and the dentist. Uh, oh yeah, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> Which I I you know again, it's another thing where it's like interesting places for interviews or whatever in these sort of movies, the documentaries. Um, but it actually works really well because he's telling a painful story, you know, and obviously he's he's well known for being having fucked up teeth. Or if you see any images of him, he's you know. I was glad up. to see Gibby Haynes in a dentist chair because it's like, oh, thank God. That guy's got dental. Oh, good for him. I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he had like a crack problem for a little oh, while. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think in, I believe, I don't know if this might be apocryphal, but in, it was either Austin or like New Mexico or something where he lived, you could buy a bag of crack and it was oh, yeah. like, AKA a Gibby. It was like the <laughs> amount. <laughs> Just give me a gibby no no that could all be hearsay gibby, uh, allegedly again well another... great man let's listen let's hear sweet loaf real quick <laughs> it's featured in the documentary uh no, you actually have to play it. no no i was i guess i was just gonna say that that uh another kind of mythological band where it has these crazy fucking stories that are all surface, end up yeah. being true um but yeah that i don't know i just i thought that was very it was per- perfect perfect uh 
just Gibby Haynes is just a, an, you know, interesting character. You're saying, you know, um, <laughs> obviously to be a member of the butthole servers, you kind of have to be an interesting person, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I liked that part. I thought it was really well done. I liked, you know, how he's telling the story. I also liked that he's kind of like, they're like, did you give him, did you give him the LSD? Yeah. He's like, oh, no, of course I didn't give him the <laughs> like, LSD. He's not a very stable person. <laughs> um, Those uh, scenes of him on the acid. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I've been close to there, but <laughs> I, yeah, I, again, I always hope you can come back from that. I don't we've think been, you ever did. I think we've all been close to that edge, <laughs> you know, where you're like Ooh. going on a rant. Yeah. Yeah. But you look in those eyes with the, just like the, the dark black pupils, just gigantic, just, oh yeah. man, it, he looks demonic for sure. One thing I did want to talk about, let's see. Oh, with the airplane story. Oh, yeah. on the rewatch what i noticed is that when the first hint of when they start talking about his like first hints of mental illness there's a shot of hit a picture of him with an airplane and i was like oh they're do they're hinting there's it's the old Chekhov's airplane huh you're, oh you're, yeah you're you're, uh, you're kind of seeding it there which i thought you know again there's so many subtle little nice details like that in this what? movie and I was thinking too, his dad, you know, happens to be a pilot and his dad's mm-hmm. like his tour manager, basically. I think his dad is like, I can't check you into airports. Like, yeah, yeah I'm just going right. to fly you there. Like, yeah. I mean, just imagine trying to, you know, corral him into a, yeah, it just, it seems impossible. Yeah. And then like to have him freak out, you know, you can't. Yeah. Cause that, that's an insane story. I mean, basically it's, yeah, that they, he comes and he does this triumphant, like, comeback show Turned in austin austin yeah you know standing ovation and it does really well people are loving it people are loving him and then it kind of you know the show's over and it comes time for them to leave and his as they're saying his dad's a pilot so he flew them up there and you're out to austin and he's flying them back home and daniel johnson's reading this casper comic and it has like a parachute casper parachuting on the cover or he's like uncle parachuting on the cover and and he's like, we gotta, we gotta bail out. We gotta parachute like Casper. And he basically, you know, <laughs> grabs the keys, key. throws them out the window, <laughs> takes control of the plane, and you know, yeah, they go into like a like a tailspin and, and yeah. lose control. And he, like, his dad barely was able to crash landed in a tree. Yeah, um, and then you see those pictures too of him smiling with the blood on his face. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, he's he's gone. He's. I like he's how his dad gone. is like, yeah, and the plane was totaled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like that motherfucker <laughs> yeah exactly that's that's the christian way of saying fuck yeah. you daniel i can't believe Plane you did was that totaled. and then uh, oh the other thing <laughs> the the other thing i wanted to highlight and then i'll let you do uh, jump back in is uh i do love the danny and the nightmare story where they first meet him where it's like yeah. they're driving down the road they see the a waller, guy waller weirdos we have waller weirdos waller texas and they're driving down the road and they see a guy and he's being attacked by some <laughs> stray dogs, some wild dogs. Yeah. And, and he, and the dude, he's like, is that Daniel Johnston? That's Daniel Johnston. And, and the, I forget the girl's name that he's with, uh, that's in the band. Um, it's like, it's like, nah, that's not, that's not Daniel Johnston, but let's go help him anyways. And so they go off and help him <laughs> and sure as shit, it's like, Daniel Johnston, and it's like the way that he tells it, he's like, Yeah, in a fight she, with a dog, right? <laughs> a fight with a dog, you're like, Yeah, she just went up and kicked the dog in the face. He ran off, and we were like, 
are you Daniel Johnston? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and we became, you know, we, we invite him back to the house and start playing music with him. And it's like, it's such a funny, I mean, again, another Wait. absurd, crazy story that sure should be made up, but it, it's, yeah. it's the reality. Fate shines on this man. <laughs> another crazy story from the movie when he's in New York, uh, Steve Shelley from Sonic Youth is trying to help him out mm-hmm. and get him in some recording studios. He's playing with like Maureen Tucker, like Mo Tucker. Yeah, right. Velvet Which Underground makes fans, perfect sense. Amazing. Like oh, yeah. She's like, she knows. She's like, I was in a band with Lou Reed. I could play with this weirdo. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but the part where he goes missing in New York City and his manager... Uh, what's that guy's Tartikoff or whatever? Jeff Tartikoff, yeah. He's uh recounting his time in New York City, and he's like, he's like, yeah, he got lost. He went to Bellevue for a couple of days. Uh, he he opened for Firehose and <laughs> at one point, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, like how did he like? That's what I'm saying. It's like it's crazy that he could still have the ability to like, I don't know, meet up with Mike Watt and be like okay, I'll open for you. Like that, the fact that he could ever make it to a stage and play like it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but also I think that that, you know, our perception and our stereotypes of, of mental illness is, is so Hollywood and so, you know, detached from the actual reality of it. Um, But yeah, it is, you know, it is astounding that he could be so out of his mind in a way and, and detached from reality and still, yeah. And still go and play this huge, you know, well, not huge, but still plays the show, you know, with this, this, like you know, big band venue. Yeah. And legendary. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. And then go off and, and, you know, uh, one, you know, and then, uh, scare a lady out of a, out of a house, you know, it's, yeah, shit. it's crazy. Or again, sorry. It's, um, <laughs> it's, um, it's outlandish and astounding and it's all true and it's, yeah, it's a hell of a story. Yeah. All right. You want to play another song or something? Yeah. Well, I'll play. So this one song that I've always uh, loved, it's become kind of, I don't know, his maybe his signature song. True um, Love Will Find You. Yeah. Name. Yeah. Because um, I think that it just encapsulates so much about everything that he did. He, you know, was, yeah. That was a sad one to listen to after he died because oh, I yeah. do not think true love found him. And well, I guess his parents and his brothers and sisters, but a romantic love. I do not think he found. Yeah. I, that's, that's that. I think that's true. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, but he did, you know, he did manage to have his loves and, yeah, and he hooked up his him. best friend with uh, <laughs> his ex. He's a matchmaker. Yeah, which have you ever listened to any of her music? By the way, um, I listen. I've listened to that Daniel Johnston. Um, yeah, it's actually pretty album. good. It's, I like it's really it. Good. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, that was something I discovered after watching this. Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, same. I hadn't really. I mean, obviously, I didn't know. Um, what I forget the name. Glass of Eye. Glass Eye or anything, because there seemed to be a really pretty local Austin thing. But um, yeah. but yeah, after seeing around for like almost ten years though. Yeah, run. that's yeah, that's true. That's true. I just I'm not sure that I ever they were ever on my radar, um, or if they were Austin ever. has so many local bands, like yeah, that, though. exactly, exactly. All these little weirdo bands that that you can play forever at live shows, and you know, exactly fill up day. venues all day in Austin and just yeah. unknown anywhere else. 
but yeah, here is, um, yeah, I think which in, in some ways the, the definitive Daniel Johnson song, true love will find you in the end here. Here's a little bit from the middle of that. Only if you're looking, can it find you? Cause true love is searching too. But how can it recognize you unless you step out into the light, the light? Don't be sad, I know you will. Don't give up until true love will find you in the end. Yeah, beautiful song. Yeah, incredible, uh, incredible performance and beautiful song. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to take a break, then we'll come back and land the land the pod. Yeah. Well, uh, before we do that, why don't we just close it off is there anything that was whack to you or keel whack um so i have one thing and that's it and then we can move on i didn't care for that other journalist <laughs> that mocked his job at the radio job or whatever the guy who job shamed him <laughs> that's um, fair and yeah i love the mountain dew commercial uh yeah i think i covered it what did you not like so the one thing that i thought didn't it's not that i didn't i think it it makes sense in the movie but in hindsight now watching it it's like oh yikes is the woody allen (laughs) (laughs) sequence i totally forgot about that because broadway danny rose yeah i mean obviously it's a good comparison and you know that's a a good movie and stuff but it's It's a good movie oh fuck yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) but that was the one part i was like oh boy that's that that that's a little bit too much woody allen for this (laughs) yeah but yeah otherwise his documentary next the barbara hoople one what's it called like white man's blues or something oh, right something blue snake daddy blues or something I can't remember. <laughs> but anyways i think you know other from that other outside of that i think that it's kind of um it's a perfect documentary it's a pretty pretty good so solid solid all right um let's take a break oh yeah and then we'll come back with ratings and we'll set up next week's episode which I think we've got to hash out too on the break, yeah. Adrian. We'll, uh, <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> we'll uh, inside baseball there. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll come back and we'll figure it all out uh, on the Sing other side. That chord organ blues. <laughs> I mean, we'll be back. And we're back and we're whack. Um, Adrian, so we talked a lot about Daniel Johnston and the devil and yep. all that good stuff. Yeah. Important guy in the landscape of indie rock and uh, <laughs> one of the better documentaries Indeed. about such subject. So that brings me to my question, Adrian. Using the tomato meter, what do you rate this bad boy? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I think I 88's a fair rating in my eyes but i just personally I, you know i really like this documentary and then re-watching it 
And honestly, I, I was a little hesitant to rewatch it because I know it was it's kind of a raw, tender, sensitive kind of thing uh, in yes. terms of mental illness and you know whatever, feeling connected to that kind of aspect of it and being a sensitive person myself. But rewatching it, you know, I realized how uh, how vital it is still is and how interesting it still is and you know uh, how how uh, his story is, is is tragic and and sad and beautiful and all those things and so. I, I think for me personally, it's, it lands at about a 92. I'm going to give it a 92%. 92, very nice. Yeah. I'm going to go lockstep with the general public and critics at the time, and I'll, I'll give it an 88. Nice. I All think right. maybe when I was younger, it would have been closer to maybe like a 90 because uh, Daniel Johnson, it felt like I was discovering something along with the movie. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know. What does that bring us to? Like a 90? 90. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, good movie. Solid. And and uh, as the years go by, the more and more types of these documentaries we get. So it's nice to have one that stands out kind of stylistically. And the director really had a point of view. The subject matter was very rich. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think... Uh... I don't think that I think that he had the right touch and the right focus and experience and whatever is needed to, to make a movie. I think he had all that to make this and it was kind of the right timing too. Yeah. Um, but cause it, it, yeah. And then another person's hands, it could either veer too far into the, yeah. Into the, like kind of the veneration of, the, you know, him, or it could go too far into the, you know, beating on him for the mental illness aspects and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think right. if, strikes the right balance yeah. yeah very balanced um whatever happened to this band uh he passed away a couple of years ago or last yeah. year as we mentioned you know he did have a uh you know a, a great career and after the you know after the documentary his he he kind of blew up a little bit again you know and uh yeah. he toured the world uh, as we've said you know did a lot of creative things and um and then he retired i think a couple of years before he, he met he met Matt yes. Groin- Groining. <laughs> hey, Matt Groining, yeah. Simpson creator. He met John C. Riley. We know this. <laughs> um, Pearl Jam covered, what was it? Speedy Motorcycle. It's like Speedy oh. Motorcycle. As, as did Yola Tengo. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Pearl Jam actually covered that. <laughs> I forget which one. They did cover uh, Speedy Motorcycle. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Devil Town by uh, Bright Eyes was uh, featured in uh, Friday Night Lights. So I know that. Um, yeah, Devil Town will be a song that will live on forever. Yeah, for sure. All uh, my friends were vampires. Such a simple song, and like, what's like what, like maybe like I don't know, five lines or something, six yeah. lines, main lines, and then it just repeats. It's a good, great, so great. But All yeah. Right. Um, I do have a personal anecdote. I never saw him live. Did you ever see him live? Never got to see him live. He played. I don't know if I'd want to. Like, those... yeah. <laughs> it's. Like, it... yeah, go ahead. I've go seen. Ahead. Um, I've seen like Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys live a couple oh. times. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I saw, I was a little nervous. Where I was like, "Is this gonna be like watching a kind of a train wreck?" But right. like Al Jardine was there and he was tearing it up. So like, oh, it ended yeah. up being a, a joyful experience. But you do. You look at Brian Wilson, you're like, oh, man, he feels tired, but I hope he's getting joy out of this. Yeah. That's, uh, um, I mean, and, and they make that comparison in the movie, and it's pretty, you know, it's not one-to-one, obviously, but but 
again, yeah, these these guys that just yeah. they they succumb to this you know this yeah. thing, and you know it's, I like that parallel in the movie though. I don't think I don't know. It's hard. It's kind of apples and oranges with it. Daniel Johnson had the talent of Brian Wilson, like musically. Mm-hmm. But I do like the part where his dad is saying how like Brian Wilson's dad exploited him. And then Brian Wilson, right. as famous as he was, never had people looking out Supporting for his best him. interest. Yeah. So. That's that again, the, the, you know, the compassion versus the exploitation. Like yeah. Brian Wilson was very much exploited by people around him and, and medical you know, quote unquote professionals exactly and uh and yeah and i think Daniel johnson was very lucky that that wasn't the case with him i think everyone around him just wanted to to make sure that he was safe and 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 yeah and felt uh you know felt loved and everything and i think that yeah that's a big um, difference his parents clearly you know even though that they had their issues with him and and you know maybe didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things they still protected him and loved him and 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 made sure yeah. that they did everything to make to, to allow him to make this beautiful music and to share himself with the world. So yeah, and I think they know. respected him as an artist. Like, yeah. There's that great part where like his brother is like, listen, Daniel, like you can live here, but you're not gonna make it as an artist. <laughs> and then he's like, I was wrong, you know, like he yeah. did he had one thing he believed in, and in a lot of ways it it saved his life. Yeah, definitely. His art. Personal anecdote, I've seen the uh, mural in Austin, the Hi, oh. How Are You mural. It was like on the side of a record store. Did you take a selfie? I did. It's on my Insta. <laughs> That's just under my name, at Noah Paul Taveros. Check it out. Unless you're a coworker of mine. <laughs> Stay off. <laughs> um, yeah, that I've um, I've never been to Austin, but that's definitely, I definitely would love to see that because um, yeah. I, I love it's the it's the peace frog or the not the peace frog but what's uh yeah his frog yeah frog thing it's frog character yeah. yeah the hi how are you frog okay well i think we did a good job hopefully caleb will be proud next week we're gonna continue with the uh or next whenever it drops we're gonna continue with the uh theme the twin cinema wacker slaps mm. presents twin cinema and we're gonna go back to another 2000. This is gonna be 2004, and it's gonna be the indie rock doc "Dig" Ooh. with the exclamation point. And of course, it's about the feud between the Brian Jonestown massacre and the Dandy Warhols. Yeah. So uh, again, a, a really big movie at the time. Huge uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah, one I haven't revisited in quite a while, so I'm um, excited to uh, jump back in. Very nice. Okay, let me shut it down. Thank you to Kiki Ontiveros for the most slapping of theme songs. Thank you, Adrian, for all your stellar production work. Check out our website, wackerslaps.com. Make sure you follow us on the socials at wack or slaps talk some shit via email at wackerslaps at gmail.com go check out our merch support your local library okay i am noah for adrian this has been wacker slaps and as always whatever happened to baby jane Don't let the sun come down on those grievances.
<laughs> All right. Grievances. Grievances. <laughs>